Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to this emergency broadcast of the Michael Savage Podcast. As we went to press last night, we are ready to go with this title, Give War a Chance, The Biden Doctrine plus the Savage Roven interview part two. But we're changing it to this. Has the USA become the USSR? Why do I say it? Why? Have you seen the news? Biden has unleashed the FBI on Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago to fish for evidence that doesn't exist when Trump already turned over the papers that they were asking for voluntarily. Let me tell you something. I'm not alone in this. And for those of you on the left who think that's a good thing, you could be next. Here is one of the most far left of all, Naom Chomsky, who wrote not long ago, U.S. now under a totalitarian culture much worse than Soviet Union. That's according to far left linguistics professor Naom Chomsky, who is as far left as it goes. He was talking about information warfare. I'm talking about the use of Secret Service, FBI things like that against the average American. So this attack upon Trump is really an attack upon everyone who voted for Trump. Let me read something to you from Scorched Earth, Restoring the Country After Obama, because this began with the thin, cigarette-smoking, anti-American Obama, written in 2016, Scorched Earth, where I wrote, is the USA now like the USSR? And I was talking about the official government press in the U.S., which is ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and Fox News. They're all the same. And I was writing about how they lined up on the same issues and how they were identical when it came to the media. So I could say there was a song called Back in the USSR. You may remember that. That is the anthem of the left. But let me read this to you. This was written by NBC. Tell me if this strikes a chord with you. The party... In Soviet times, there were no parties other than the Communist Party, and membership was a prerequisite for career advancement. I wrote, why don't you just substitute the word Democratic Party and tell me if it's any different from America today? Tell me if it's any different among the news media today and among the politicians today. New York, one-party state. California, one-party state. Most of the nation, we see the big states are one-party states like communist socialists. NBC then went on doing a hit piece on Putin, and they refer to the chapter called Spies. Now listen carefully. I am proposing to you that the USA is now like the USSR. Here is what NBC wrote then. By the mid-2000s, up to 80% of the Russian ruling establishment was made up of people with backgrounds in security services, according to a study. The trend was confirmed in numerous subsequent studies. Above all, this included the Soviet secret police, 
the KGB, which handled counter-espionage and brutally suppressed political dissent, unquote. NBC continued. The KGB's successor, the Federal Security Service, the FSB, if you ever watch the show Homeland, that's the FSB you're watching. It was both, quote, powerful and feared. It was tasked with fighting spies and extremists, but it also monitored the political opposition to the Soviet government, unquote. I want you to think about the FBI in America, the CIA in America, the DHS in America. Don't you think they're all powerful and feared? Don't you think they're tasked with fighting not only spies and extremists, but also the American people themselves? Don't you think those organizations also monitor the political opposition to Obama's socialist government, I wrote? Of course they do, but they're doing it now with the Biden administration. And I wrote, so what's the difference between the Soviet Union and the United States in this regard? Very little. NBC then went on and talked about dissidents trying again to attack Putin. The article said, Joseph Stalin, the Soviet Union's feared leader who ran the country with an iron fist from 1924 to 1953, purged, imprisoned, and executed his critics. Even in post-Stalin times, the regime punished those who threatened or disagreed with it, so dissidents were either fired, jailed, expelled, confined to psychiatric wards, and harassed by the KGB, unquote. If you ever read Alexander Solzhenitsyn, you'll know this is all true. But what does it have to do with America? The NBC article at the time went on to say, Russia's opposition today also fights an asymmetric battle. Its leaders face criminal cases and regular arrests. Thugs harass them at events, and officials drown them in red tape, unquote. I really? Let's look at America today. Let's look at the opposition to Biden today. What about the opponents of Biden today? The FBI with machine guns raids his Mar-a-Lago home? How about all the other cases that we are living through? These fascistic cases that are coming down upon us, we the people. This article by NBC said that in Russia, thugs harassed opposition leaders at events. You haven't seen that going on in America where Antifa thugs, BLM thugs and other thugs are harassing people, whether they be government thugs or by thugs in America who are working for BLM. Tell me, are you telling me that they're not thugs who are fundamentally working with and for the government? The article at that time wrote and said, and officials drown their opponents in red tape, unquote. Oh, really? Biden just asked for hundreds of millions of dollars for more IRS agents to attack you, the American middle class. This is very important for you to understand. NBC, in its attempt to continue to smear Putin at the time, tried to demonstrate that Russia is like the Soviet Union, but they were unable to do it. Moreover, everything it said about Russia actually applies to America right now under Biden. Let me include one other point. They write, quote, media control. Soviet media broadcast only what officials wanted it to, and access to foreign media was banned. In the 2000s, one of Putin's first moves was to bring back under state control the leading television channels, Russia's main source of information. They have since turned into pro-government vehicles. I'm going to ask you, the listeners of the Savage Podcast, a straight-out question. Are you telling me that the communist media today in this country is not exactly like state-controlled media? 
Tell me how they differ. Tell me they're not pro-government vehicles. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. The fact of the matter is that you know and I know there are no dangers for people of different sexual orientations in Russia. You know that as well as I. But you also know that there's a war against America for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons there is a war against the average American today is because we have been turned into internal enemies. Biden has invaded his own nation. I'll stop right here, and I will tell you these are unusual and dangerous times. And if you think it's me, Michael Savage, saying this alone, even the far left, again, Noam Chomsky wrote, U.S. now under a totalitarian culture much worse than the Soviet Union. Today on the Michael Savage podcast, we're also going to hear about the Biden doctrine, which is give war a chance. And then you're going to hear the great interview uh, by uh, my good friend at Breitbart. You're not going to believe that one. My good friend Joshua Kaplan, who interviewed me about the events of the day. And as a special bonus, we are giving you part two of my interview and my conversation, rather, with the great novelist Jeff Rovin. This is a power packed podcast. I want you to enjoy every second of it. I'm Michael Savage. Back in a moment. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now we have the Biden doctrine, which is give war a chance, right? Yeah, of course I'm right. And that's why he's wrong. And then again, you're going to hear the interview that Josh Kaplan did where he interviewed me for his keen insights about Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, which, by the way, is not over yet. It's going to lead us into conflicts we can't even imagine. I'm your So, um, so I, I knew when I saw um, Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan that I had to reach out to you uh, because it seems that the trip got bipartisan support from Republicans and Democrats cheering Nancy Pelosi's trip. Uh, and that 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 concerns me. And I know that you're a voice of reason when it comes to um, particularly foreign affairs. Uh, you, you you know, you're one of the lone conservatives who's constantly calling for 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 peace. But what do you make of the trip in general, Doc? Well, I want that. Well, it's simple. I mean, in common sense would ask the question. Do we need this confrontation now? I asked it last week and the answer is, of course not. Who wins? The answer is the weapons lobby, the military industrial complex. But, Josh, I want to put you at ease. We have nothing to fear, do we? We have a commander in chief in tip top mental shape and a House speaker as clean as the streets of San Francisco. What could go wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I just did an interview with Gordon G. Chang who's an expert on China. He's not very optimistic about the results of this uh, visit. We know that missiles are now flying. There's going to be a naval blockade. And I tweeted two things today, Josh. Empress Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, which Beijing regards as a breakaway province, has plunged the China-U.S. relationship into new, to new depths and triggered the worst crisis over the Taiwan Strait for decades. Did we need this now? And then two hours ago, I said this, Josh. Uh, I quoted someone from China. Quote, I think this Pelosi's visit is a good thing, said a man surnamed Zhao in Beijing. He said it gives us an opportunity to surround Taiwan, then to use this opportunity to take Taiwan by force. I think we should thank Comrade Pelosi, unquote. 
That's a man in the street who may be a government spokesman, obviously. So what did she achieve by this other than grandstanding and again being a provocateur, again causing mayhem? She is a disturber of the peace, both domestically and internationally. She's a threat to world stability, and this was totally unnecessary right now. And by the way, I think you mentioned in an email to me yesterday, Josh, that you had seen me posting an interview I did with Miss Pelosi from 1998. And I put it up on Twitter and on YouTube. Listen, Michael Pelosi interviews Nancy Pelosi. This was from 1998 because, look, I, I still live in the Bay Area. She was the congresswoman from the Bay Area. And although she was always a left wing uh, f- extremist, to be very frank, she was on the right side of things back in 98, being probably a lobbyist for Taiwan. She came on my show and she talked about the human rights abuses by China, the organ harvesting, the slave labor camps. And it was actually a good interview. But now she's become a clear and present danger to the stability of the United States of America. And the world, for that matter, because this provocation at this time was unnecessary. In other words, she could have gone there quietly. She could have gone there as a diplomat. She could have gone there in a quiet, dignified way and, and told Taiwan we're on their side. But she didn't. Now, I learned from the interview I did today by Gordon Chang, G. Chang, by the way, that it was leaked that she was going by someone inside her own uh, administration in her own office, perhaps. And then it became very public and a very public provocation at that. She could have backed down at that point and said the trip is canceled for uh, personal reasons. It'll be continued at another time. But she didn't. She's imperious. She's been stopped by no one. She has hubris. She's like Icarus. And I would say, let's pray she did not fly too close to the sun this time. Wow. Let me let me ask you a, a follow up question to this. The Biden administration uh, has not been particularly positive uh, or supportive of this trip as far as my analysis goes. Do you think that that's a good cop, bad cop act? And they actually had something to do with this because the Biden administration is negotiating directly with with uh, with China on a host of issues, not Pelosi. Pelosi is going to lose, likely lose the gavel. It's looking like it in in November. She may retire. So this is like you said, this is a grandstand last hurrah photo op. Uh, and the Biden administration was actually behind the scenes in favor of it rather than Mm. whatever they're saying publicly about it. It's an interesting supposition. I have no idea whether it's all orchestrated and a kabuki dance conducted by the entire administration where you take good cop, I'll play bad cop. Very interesting idea. Or if she, in fact, is a rogue speaker acting on her own. No way to know. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, I'm not so sure they're going to lose the House. I, I keep hearing it, but the Republicans are bungling. Uh, a lot of things. I'm not so sure that they're going to they're even going to hold on to the Senate. Uh, but it's irre- it's irrelevant what I think. What matters is what's happening right now. Look at the headlines, even. The most mainstream uh, outlets 
are alarmed by what's going on a day later. And they've just it's just begun. Let's go to the Drudge Report, which is, I would say, middle of the road. Missile strikes in Taiwan Strait. Smoke trails fill sky. Right. Aircraft carrier group moved towards island. How far will she go? Western powers can no longer run amok, say the Chinese. Taipei faces urgent fighter pilot shortage. And even the, the headline on Drudge is Nancy aftershocks. Right. And then I read a, an article that I thought was brilliant by by Pat Buchanan, who I think it was published on the Newsmax site. I wish I could find the article by by Buchanan. It was brilliant. And it said, is Taiwan's independence worth war? But in the article, he talks about the fact that we're actually outgunned. He said an air, naval and missile war in the Western Pacific and East Asia would be no cakewalk. A massive barrage of anti-ship and hypersonic missiles launched by China could cripple and conceivably sink the U.S. carrier Ronald Reagan now in the South China Sea. The Reagan carries a crew of thousands of sailors, almost as numerous as the U.S. casualty list from both Pearl Harbor and 9-11. The worst attacks in and on the U.S. outside of the Civil War battles as Gettysburg and Antietam. Can you believe this? And he says, what would justify such risks? So he argues, you know, he's a non-interventionist, Buchanan. That's his position. But the fact is, China is a nuclear weapons nation that has a larger manufacturing infrastructure than our own, an economy that is now at par with ours, a population four times as large as ours, and maybe people don't know this, Josh, fleets of warships larger in number than the U.S. Navy. This all happened in the last decade. So why did we want to provoke them now, especially after the abrupt withdrawal from Afghanistan, the debacle with Russia now using Ukraine as a proxy war against Russia? Do we need now another war on a second front? So why would the Republicans support this? People are going to ask. Well, you'll have to ask Sean Hannity about that because he's a real gung ho militarist from his basement. He likes war everywhere. It's good for ratings. But the fact is, uh, the Republicans are in on this because there's huge, huge amounts of money flowing into and out of the military industrial complex, of which they're a great part. And, Josh, I would be remiss if I didn't remind everyone that Mitch McConnell, the head of the U.S. Republican Senate, Mitch McConnell, has a wife named Elaine Shower, wonderful woman. I'm not disparaging her in any way. And she has a wonderful family that is in the shipping business. In fact, she was the transportation secretary for Donald Trump for a while, wasn't she? Right. Right. And everyone forgets that McConnell uh, has a wife who has a powerful shipping family. Right. And uh, they are no doubt benefiting from war in that they things are shipped on ships. That's why they're called shipping. Uh, (laughs) She served as the U.S. Secretary of Transportation. Her husband is Mitch McConnell. She's a wonderful woman. I have nothing negative to say about her, but we have to remember her family's shipping business is intimately involved in this business, you know, family shipping business. I'm just going to Google it now so I get it exactly right. I know that. Uh, the, the positives of this. Chow, who began his career. Which Chow? Oh, that's the father. Elaine Chow's family, business and Kentucky favoritism. That was when she became, you know, uh, the secretary of transportation. 
but she has deep ties, you know, to the to the world, two worlds, two of the largest economies in the world, not only in the United States, but also in China. People forget this because uh, <laughs> the family business under Ms. Chow prospered greatly in their business ties with China. And she was one of the biggest boosters uh, of the business relationships with China. So the Chow family's connections to the Chinese state go back decades. And people have to study this to understand that the Republicans who support this Pelosi trip are also no doubt benefiting financially in ways that we maybe could research if you want to spend a lot of time on it. But we should never forget that Mr. Chow's shipping company company builds most of its ships in state owned shipyards in China, with some of them financed by Chinese government loans. People do not know this. Very important story. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So, so Dr. Savage, I, um, I want to ask you one last question uh, on this, which is what happens next? I know it's anybody's guess. You were, oh. you were, you know, you were reading the headlines uh, earlier talking about how now China is beating the, the, the war drums against Taiwan. They're doing military drills, blockades, sending ballistic missiles. So, Doc, take out your crystal ball for the Breitbart audience. What happens next? What do you fear most? Well, they play the long game. Everybody knows that they're going to do nothing right now. They're going to just rattle the uh, the kettle, bang the war drums. And I think do nothing more than that right now. However, Chairman Xi has put his prestige on the line. He's been challenged and everyone knows that the concept of face is very important to most uh, people on the earth, but especially in Asia. He's not going to lose face and he must now maintain his um, his image, particularly in, in his own country of China. He's going to do something, but it won't be immediate. They're going to wait and they're going to wait for the right time and do something unexpected, entirely unexpected. What will it be? It's anyone's guess. It, if it was me just doing crystal ball, it would be taking one of the smaller contested islands in and around the Taiwan Strait. Mm. they're not going to invade Taiwan now. They don't need to, because in essence, they're going to just wait it out. And um, then they're going to wait and see what happens during the midterm elections. And if there's a Republican sweep, as we all hope, but there's no guarantee of that happening. And uh, China fears that a stronger Republican president will, will emerge after uh, whoever replaces Biden. And I say, well, because Biden, I don't do not think has the capacity to finish out this term. If they fear that a more militant nationalist American leader will emerge as president in 24. At this point, I think we can safely assume that they will make a move on, uh, on Taiwan, but it won't be now. That's what I'm saying. He won't do it now. There's no need to do it now. He's going to just, you know, it's like a battle. You ever watch boxers in a ring? In the first couple of rounds, they just kind of feel each other out. They get the range. They touch each other. 
They circle each other. They try to get the feeling of the other opponent. So they've been feeling us out now for a few rounds here and there. Probing, probing, probing. We're only in about round three of a 15 round fight with China. And this is a very sensitive time for Chinese President Xi Jinping. He will not lose face. And I believe it will get very, very bad after the midterm elections. That's all I can surmise at this point. Wow. Um, I think the audience is really going to like that, that uh, Biden, you know, the end of the, the, the Biden term could could end with some some real consequences. But when will the Biden term end? This man is too <laughs> sick to continue right now. He has been for a while. He's shown senility. Some say Parkinson's uh, um, Parkinson's related uh, uh, senility. Cognitive decline is clear and evident to anyone who's ever studied it. He's not in charge. He's in and out of uh, um, reality. So who will it be? Well, who's next in line? Well, everyone says it's uh, Vice President Harris, but everyone forgets that Vice President Harris is a complete creation of Nancy Pelosi and her machine here in San Francisco. So in essence, Pelosi's running the country already anyway. I mean, she's that's why she went. She was actually saying I'm the president in a way. If you want me to just jump cut to what I think happened here, she was actually saying I have more power than Biden does. I'll do what I want. I'll show the world that I'm running the country. So whether we like it or not, she is running the country. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that it was an incredible demonstration of power. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the, this was her, I discussed internally, this is with, with different folks. And this was like the last uh, hurrah, like she needed this for Instagram to go out there and get this photo and show everybody for the history books uh, Pelosi that, uh, you know, she's a woman of history and a historical figure and, and she knows she's going to lose the gavel. So she had to go up there. So she, so like you said, she caused an international incident, which is going to have horrible rippling effect over the next months and years for the history books, the grandstand. It's, but quite an amazing thing. What she actually did here, according to experts is accelerate and speed up China's reunification with Taiwan, according to those who were studying it, because it galvanized the Chinese public uh, around yes. around around their president and, and around the issue of Taiwan, which they didn't care very much about. So that's a great she, that's a great point that that's well, maybe she did. So people who want to go into the Manchurian candidates, conspiracy theories, and there's an awful lot of them would say, she actually worked hand in glove uh, with Xi to do this. It's uh, that that's a great point that she did. She definitely did um, cause the Chinese people to rally around this cause a lot more uh, than than before. Uh, Dr. Savage, so I think um, for the audience, for Breitbart's audience, we're, we're good in terms of your thoughts on, on the Taiwan thing. I'll write it up uh, this afternoon, and I'll send you a link when we are live on the website. And we'll put it right up. And again, I appreciate your remembering old Michael Savage over here sitting in exile in the western provinces of the <laughs> United States. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I I comment and report from exile in the western yeah. provinces of the United States. That's a nice. I like that line, Josh. Now we go to Michael Savage, exile to the western United States, reporting live from exile. Uh, that is that that is so great. The, the the only exile dissident that I know of your stature and place in the conservative media to interview both Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. There you go. Right. I had Schumer on. I couldn't believe that he came on at the time. It was shocking. And I told my audience, politics makes strange bedfellows. We agree on this. We're going to treat him with dignity. That's how it was. I we. Thanks so much, Doc, for your time. Always a pleasure with Joshua Kaplan of Breitbart.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye now. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We also have for you part two of Two Geniuses speaking about world events and interstellar events, and that's Michael Savage and Jeff Rovin by popular demand. So we come back to toxic masculinity. What does that yeah. mean? Well, you know, it's it's this idea that a man is somehow a dominant figure um, by by default, by birthright, however you want to describe it, and swaggers through life um, expecting a certain uh, a, a certain kind of reaction, if you will, to to him just showing up. Um, and you know that that may be true to some. Uh, is this driven by the lesbians who hate men? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that any particular group drives that so much as this kind of, um, oh God, uh, newspeak. It's just a convenient way of further diminishing so-called white supremacy. But they never talk about toxic masculinity in African-Americans. No. And, and by the way, or about, or amongst Hispanic drug dealers, who was more virile and still is probably, but then, then Richard Roundtree is shaft. You know, th this this guy. Yeah, but you never hear about toxic masculinity uh, applied to a African-American and uh, uh, gangsters or boxers. Right. Well, that's why I said it's it's used to further diminish this uh, this uh, insane notion of white supremacy. OK, so uh, there 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 it is. We're talking about absolute overt racism towards white males in particular. White cis males. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not not white sissy males. As no, 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 not that. Not that. Uh, luckily, I had training in chemistry. So when that came along, I knew the difference between CIS and SIS. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you see, you're well, a novelist. You're a novelist. It's a funny way of saying it. But I'm, I'm uh, sorry, Michael, but anyone with an elementary school education should know that SIS and CIS are different, even if you don't know what they mean. I doubt that they know what sis and sis and, you know. Yeah, no, I'm holding Stop Mass Hysteria, which you co-wrote with me, America's Insanity from the Salem Witch Trials to the Trump Witch Hunt, which you just referenced a few minutes ago. And there's a chapter here called um, Crowd Psychology, Mass Hysteria. And I believe you yeah. wrote this. You yeah. wrote Mass Hysteria or Mass Hypnosis is insidious and, uh, and stealthy. It falls into two categories. The first is positive hallucinations or hysteria. When you believe something is real, absent evidence, just because someone says so, or it fits your preconceived notions. I would say this concept of white supremacy uh, or toxic masculinity falls into that category, Jeff. Would that be correct? 
Yeah, and I think you have to you have to make a distinction between that and say belief in God, um, because they're they're clearly not the same thing. But people are going to try to uh, to analogize. Well, you them. raise a good point. Okay, uh, when I did a YouTube three weeks ago, showing myself putting on to fill in, which I had not really done maybe mm-hmm. once or twice in my whole life, but I've gotten to age that I'm at, and I'm more fearful of the future and of eternity. And I get frightened sometimes. I find that this, quote, ritual of wrapping to fill in, wrapping a leather thong, putting a black box on my head, which has biblical inscriptions in it and tuning it in. You actually have to put it on your head, hairline, straight up. I actually do feel some connectivity. Well, you would. You would. And there's two reasons for that. First of all, you're putting it on what the, uh, the yogic tradition would say is the third eye. Where where the seat of wisdom the seat of wisdom is located right here. right exactly. exactly is that where it is yeah yeah no wonder I've been thinking clearly it's these hats yeah, well you cover it up you're you're, you're keeping uh, keeping a blinder on your third eye the other thing I'm is, not letting stuff into my third eye well that's a problem yeah that's a problem too the 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 more important thing is that when you put on tefillin or 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 a crucifix or or any other religious object mm, mm. you are submitting to the superiority of the universe. Most people, amen. I shouldn't say that. Many people find it difficult to put their ego aside, yes. to stop trying to assert their will on the universe, which is a fool's errand, and to let the universe assert its will on you. The universe doesn't lie. It won't lead you astray. Hmm. We, on the other hand, screw up when we try to second guess what the universe wants us to do. Well, so in, this- in the tefillin, Jeff, you're 100% right. One of the leather thongs goes on your weak arm, in my case, my left arm, and you, the little black box with biblical phrases is supposed to be to your heart. Then you tie your hand up with it, then around your finger. And that means you're submitting your animal force to God. And then you put the other one on the head to tune in from your head and your heart. And you're supposed to, at the end of this ritual, unify your head and your heart for that day in all actions towards God. Right. But if we have destroyed God in America, first by taking out the Ten Commandments from our schools, which began with, I am your only God, you shall worship no other gods, be- there shall be no other gods before thee. remember as a kid in elementary school, there were the Ten Commandments. They never offended me. I wasn't a religious kid, but every school had the Ten Commandments on the wall. So kids are bored in school. I was. My mind would drift everywhere. But where would you drift? The pictures of the United States, George Washington, and then the Ten Commandments. And you were subliminally reading them and taking them in. Flash forward to today. I don't know what's on the walls of a schoolroom, but there certainly aren't the Ten Commandments in George Washington. No, it's it's diversity and inclusion. And again, it's not it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just that when it becomes the only thing um, that that's that's dangerous. Um, I want to point out, by the way, that in the Taoist tradition and the Tai Chi tradition, uh, your your left arm, your heart arm is the intake of energy. So for you to put the fillin on that arm to plug into your heart makes complete sense. 
you know, you often see the uh, the Shaolin monks will, will put Buddha in their heart. By- but I've seen martial artists do that before. Their moves. Well, there's a that that's different, and we can, we don't have visual aids for the for the audience, but that's different from what I just am demonstrated oh. to you now, where you're aligning with your core, ready to to huh. break someone's uh, voice box. Uh, <laughs> now, um, but the thing is, is all of these great religions uh, have the same kinds of ideas, and by also. Society may try to destroy God, but God is not a competitive part of the universe. It's not feasible. God is outside of the universe. Why does God let this stuff go on in the world right now? Why is he letting America fall apart? You know, I, I remember the old, the great phrase I quoted a million times on the radio from uh, <clears throat> Thomas Mann. God sees the truth, but waits. Yeah. That's that's partly that's partly the answer. Just because we, like I said before, when you try, anybody tries to assert their will on the universe, it's bound to fail, and that's what's happening now. God's not going to come down, enter our universe, create you know a, a, a new emissary, and say, "Hey, knock that off." No, we have the laws, we have the Bible. If we choose not to follow the teachings then we do so at our peril. So we get expelled Pu- from Eden. W- would Putin then be guilty of trying to impose his will on the universe right now? This endless war against Ukraine? Anybody who chooses violence over conversation, over discussion, is seeking to do that. Anybody who cannot marshal facts and arguments and debate an issue and chooses instead to punch you in the face has already lost They've lost Would you say law. that Trump has done that with the January 6th? It's a very sensitive topic. And I've watched these kangaroo court trials. They infuriate me because it's a one sided event. But some of the things I'm seeing, I don't particularly like. And I watched that event unfold on television. And as God is my witness in this room, Ryan, my assistant, was there as it was unfolding on the January 6th. I when I saw them breaching the Capitol steps and I saw them going up and breaking the glass. I turned to Ryan and I said, Ryan, this is no good. This is all wrong. What the hell is going on here? Why aren't they being stopped? What is this about, in your opinion? What is what about January 6th or the, or the committee? Both. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the third impeachment of, of President Trump. I don't think it's anything but that. It's, an, it's yet another attempt to prevent him from running and, and winning again. Um, Did he but, fail to act to stop them? Well, clearly... He could have done more. And again, we're talking as outsiders because we don't know everything that went on because we're not there. There's no um, cross-examination. No, no defense a counsel permitted. Right. But I I would I would defer to uh, to Benjamin Franklin. And I'm paraphrasing here when they were arguing about the, the question of allowing slavery in the southern states. Um. Adams said something to the effect of history never forgiving them. And, and Franklin said, you know, what, what will history think we were? Demigods? We're just men. And I think ultimately we have to remember that all of us are just that. We, we learn as we go along. We try to use whatever wisdom but we have. We can't apply that to the Nazis, can we? That they were just men? No, no. But here, there again. Remember the environment of defeat and humiliation in which the National Socialist Party took root. I know. 
yeah, uh, League of so Nations. Tough. I know it was done to Germany. I know World War One and League of Nations created World War Two and Hitler. Look at and we we wrote about that. I think in, in mass hysteria. Look what happened during Reconstruction. You had Southern soldiers coming back to their their estates, finding that that Confederate money was no good. They couldn't pay the back taxes. So mm. in addition to the humiliation of losing, mm. they no longer had any residences. Oh my and God! So you know it's and and so then along comes to bring this full circle. Then along comes a movie like Birth of a Nation in 1915 where the Ku Klux Klan is depicted as heroes. They are? In the movie, yeah. Yeah. Heroes for what? For doing Because there was there was nothing but lawlessness in the South. And ultimately they were put together as a police force according to the movie. Wow. And so so it re it reignited the uh, the Ku Klux Klan in America. But here's the thing, and you can see this online, the director DW Griffith was horrified to, to read the condemnation of his film and of that in particular, um, because he, what he said was, look, this is this is what how Thomas Dixon, who wrote the original novel, The Klansman, grew up. He was writing a memoir. And so I simply filmed that memoir. And it's mm -hmm. things that Griffith remembered as well. What I'm saying is, is no, no sane person is going to advocate the Ku Klux Klan. But. If you ignore the conditions that breed that kind of a reaction, you do so at your peril. And Is that so what's what going seeing, on in America now, though? Aren't they breeding yes. with such hatred for the white, virile white male? Aren't they literally breeding extremism, so to speak? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to get to next, is we are seeing that happen yet again. And we're letting it, we're letting it happen. And at some point, there's there's going there's going to be a breaking point and uh, it, sooner rather than later. One of my staff said to me when her brother enlisted in the Navy, the first thing he had to sign was that he would not support support either. Not with the word was it insurrection. I forget what, what she said to me. They everyone enlisting has to sign something. They will not join any kind of extremist group that that is seditious, seditious, yeah. which is such a broad word. It can mean if you vote for a Republican, you're a seditious to uh, to the January 6th committee. But this is what's going on in the military. So their recruitment levels now are below 50 percent of what they need. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that's, that. What, that's what Colonel Galvin told me because of what they're doing to the to the to the to the white male in particular. They won't even join. Well, but the thing is, is when when I was studying with the previously mentioned Shaka Zulu, he would not take in anybody that he felt was a gang member. He wasn't going to give them the skills to create havoc in the streets. Wow. Where is and he today? He's uh, living in Texas, uh, probably about 80 years old, still teaching down there. Um, but, um, you know, and there was a time when when uh, gang members were going into the military to learn how to use firearms. <laughs> I know. Right. Well, Shaka so, Zulu, I'd like to meet him one day. What a, what a podcast that would be. He probably is not that verbal. I don't think he probably would like to talk. Uh, uh, he's, he's quite verbal. I mean, this is, a, this is a guy who I was riding on the subway with, and a guy was standing in front of him reading a newspaper, and uh, Zulu asked him to move it, and the guy he just ignored him. So Zulu set it on fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, he might not. He might not be verbal in the sense that you're thinking, but he had a way of expressing himself. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. So let's take it back to um, 
the beginning because we're I'm taking up too much of your valuable time and we could no, do no, this. No. It's, a, it's a delight. We could keep going. You know, we could do two yeah. podcasts in one today because you and I are like old friends that, you know, we never met in person, but we've worked together and now we've done a podcast together. Now we're doing another podcast together and our minds are so fertile with each other that one thought leads another, which as Lin Yutang wrote in the importance of living a very important book to me when I read it when I was 18, it kind of saved my mind. He said the purpose of conversation is to keep it going, not to beat the other person and cut them off. And that's what's been lost in the art of conversation, Jeff. I think you'd have to agree with me is that today people talk with each other to try and shut the other one down or beat them verbally in a in like a like a match. Yeah, they talk at them. They don't talk with them they, or they talk past them or they berate them or they they will not hesitate to say things which if you said it to them, they'd accuse you of a hate social crime. media is not conversational. No, it is assassination. It's assassination in an echo chamber where you only go to people who agree with you. Um, so conversation with verse. Yeah. So when I learned that, it helped me talk to people, meaning you want to keep it going. You want to use words with verse, verse, conversation with verse to keep the verse going. We're singing a song together. It's two mm -hmm. poets in an ancient time sitting around a campfire and the tribe is sitting behind us listening to the two wise men having verse with each other. Yes, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, this is our campfire. But, so I'm going to throw people, the light to you. Go ahead. Please take it from here. Yeah. Well, other people um, will look at it as an opportunity to further their agenda. We have we should have no agenda but to seek the truth in any situation. We were talking about God, for example. Um, that's a pretty high truth to shoot for, but worth the investment. Um if you if you were to have that conversation with somebody who was abused by uh, by a priest or something, um, it would be a very different conversation. And we'd have to do a lot more listening about that mm. and perhaps attempt to to differentiate between the flawed practitioners and the idea itself, the idea of 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 God. And well, I agree with you on that. When I hear about the church is rotten because of the molesters. They say, well, let's say it's three to 10 percent of the priesthood, but that means about 90 to 93 percent are saints to me of priests who lead the flock. And it's not the religion that's flawed. It's man that is flawed. And it's the same with the rabbis. I mean, there are rabbis who abuse people or molested people or swept under the rug. It's not as well known as what goes on in the Catholic Church. I've heard horror stories. Oh, uh, yeah that no yeah. one talks about. So Yeah, but look at look at it this way too. That's and again, they're not they're not the same by any means, but look at all of the casting couch me too issues that have come up about Hollywood, mm -hmm. but nobody stops going to the movies. We we separate the Harvey Weinsteins from the movie The Godfather. You know, I'm saying the Come you, on, Jeff, you, you know there was a casting couch since since the Lumiere brothers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no. There's a good looking girl. Let me tell her I'm going to put her in a, in a thing called a movie. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly my point. The, the percentage is probably 
certainly much higher in Hollywood. Okay, and expected to be higher. Expected to be higher. Everybody goes in understanding the rules, and if, if anybody thinks those rules have changed, they're crazy. It's still going on. Yeah, it's still going on, but in in subtler way. Everything, or not everything, so much of what goes on in Hollywood as in government is a shakedown now. It's, it's, it's payola, it's shakedowns, it's, um, it's, it's not good behavior, it's not merit-based. Where is this going to end? Looking ahead, Jeff, does this get better or get worse before it gets better? Or do we just die as a nation altogether? We're starting to see some of the pushback against... Um, you know, the the white white people are all bad thing. Um, you know, I was I was alarmed, for example, when I heard that the New York Philharmonic and I got this from a friend who's a musician there. They used to audition new talent behind a screen because oh, they didn't yes. want to be influenced. The screen is gone now because they have goals to meet. Shall Started we say. in San Francisco 25 years ago. They took down the screens. And if the person playing was the best was white. They didn't pick them. Correct. We there. The reality is, is on Broadway, for example, you have ru- you have run through all of the A level talents in certain diversity and inclusion categories. So then, instead of casting whites, you'll go to B level or C level talent. I've seen some of these uh, presentations. They're they're not what you expect from Broadway. They're not what you expect from the stage or the concert stage. Um, but that's what you're getting in order to fulfill this quota. Well, when will this change? I, you know, I noticed something interesting for about a year now ads. Every ad had either an African-American again, nothing wrong with an African-American character in an ad, but only African-Americans or lesbians or gay couples. That's right, all was, they were doing. And I'm talking about major products. It's, it's I got so offended by it. I got so pissed off. I started to say, I understand the ad industry is run by 20 something year old idiots. I know it from the world I'm in. They boycott me and whatever. I said, is there no pushback? All of a sudden, within the last month, suddenly white people are reappearing in ads again. Yes. Yes. Have you seen this? Right. Yeah. And part of it, part of it, look, is Marvel had a couple of high profile, let's call them disappointments uh, after feature featuring same sex couples. First of all, they lost half their audience around the world uh, because there are countries that wouldn't show that and they refused to cut the the scenes. So um, I think you're going to start to see some of that rolling back. Uh, You are starting to see some of that. The product companies are hearing. I'm not buying your product because you're putting lesbians in it or you're putting men kissing in it or you don't put white people in it. I'm not going to buy your product. Are they getting those emails? Bottom line, stockholders and cash. That's what's going to make the determination, not virtue signaling. When that when that plays out, it's going to stop. And that doesn't mean things should go back to the way they were. They shouldn't. But you got to stop swinging wide to hit those balls. Wow. Yeah. I, and by the way, that phrase is so rife with potential and particularly with toxic masculinity. Exactly. I, say, I, I, I chose uh, it. You heard it. Reason. The minute you finished that, <laughs> the minute you hit that ball, you you, uh-huh. you knew what was going to come back. at I, you. I, I see I, your smile. This goes yeah. back to our conversation. We're having fun. Yep. So exactly. I'm going exactly. back to mass hysteria. So you said. Um, falls into two categories, mass hypnosis, positive hallucinations. When you believe something is real absent evidence. And the second 
is negative hallucinations or hysteria when you deny the existence of something real, despite overwhelming evidence that it exists. And then uh, I believe you wrote this. The media and governments exploit both. For example, selling the absurd notion that Russia, Russia caused Hillary Clinton the, the election or denying France and England are crumbling under the weight of Muslim immigration. One is demonstrably untrue. The other demonstrably true. Yet those in denial refuse to accept reality in either case. We're living through that right now. This is yep. an unrequited book. This is a, a, one of my best books. Stop. Yeah, mass hysteria. Well. It was beyond the audience because it wasn't clearly one sided enough to appeal to the masses. Well, that's it. I think we were very even handed. And uh, we, the, the thing that we did do in that book was present. And this was conceptually what we had talked about. Let's let history do the talking. You know, let's let's go back to I think we had the, the origin of assassinations in, uh, in that uh, the, the assassins uh, in that book. Um, well, yeah, you mean the, um, the word hashish? Yeah, exactly. You I know, mean, I kept hammering everyone with that because I, I remember reading it years ago that the, the word assassination comes from the Arabic hashish because they yeah. would smoke hashish before going out on a murder spree. And we are seeing increased murders, increased suicides, increased mental breakdowns from this pot mania right now. We're going through this love affair with marijuana. Oh, my is, God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is near and dear to your heart. I, I, well, first of all, I, I don't understand any any shortcut to bliss is going to be short lived. That's <laughs> that's a fact. And we we know I mean, you, you saw some of the uh, the Tai Chi class that I, that I do. Um, you can achieve the same thing without that and much more beneficially and much more enduring. So why why would you choose to spend money on something so wasteful and counterproductive? I but also, it, but the violence, you remember the story in New York about a week ago, this 27 year old kid from a good family lived in the Upper East Side. The father's a retired state uh, city Supreme Court justice or state Supreme Court justice. He kills his mother with a lamp and throws himself yeah. out of a window naked and screams all the way down. It says right. you had to wait a day to read what you knew what was behind it. He was a wastrel, lived at home, had no job and was a heavy pot user. Yeah. A end of story. Yeah. Well, first of all, this whole idea of could you imagine in, in your youth if you said, hey, mom, dad, I want to come back to live. I'm 24 and I can't make it. Would, they would have thrown you out with well, love. I would, it's interesting you should say that. I remember my father, when I got my first job and I was still living at home, he said very quietly, he said, well, now that you're earning a living, you're going to have to pay some of the support here. I said, why? The room is still here. The food is still here. He said, yes, yeah. but you're now earning a living. You have a regular job as a teacher. So we expect you to contribute a certain amount of money per week. And I was offended. I thought he was cheating me. Why couldn't that money go for my <laughs> going out at night and buying clothing? He, yeah, that, well, Ben was teaching learned? me a, a lesson. Ben was teaching me a lesson. Absolutely. This whole this whole COVID experience of people going back to live with their parents has been kind of a, a horrifying uh, revelation. And I, I know that a lot of people would wake and bake because they couldn't handle it. So they, they, they get up in the morning, smoke pot and get through the day. That is not conducive to achievement. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Before we go today, and we'll have to do this again on a more regular basis, let's look ahead for a moment. 
Let's look at two things which are prominent right now. One, inflation. I'd sure. say that's bigger in America, in the minds of Americans, than Ukraine or the January 6th hearing. We know, we both know they're going to raise interest rates any second now by three quarters of a point. That's going to kill the, the housing market, stop consumer spending to a certain extent, which is long overdue, by the way, because otherwise we'd be Weimar with uh, needing uh, wagons for our dollars to buy a loaf of bread, as happened in Germany, which led to Hitler. Do you think that this country will survive fiscally, number one? Number two, will this war in Ukraine ever be resolved through negotiated, a negotiated settlement? To the first point, um, I, in three months, we have uh, an election. And uh, that will go, uh, hopefully, um, a long way toward resolving the inflation issue. We all know hmm. that if uh, if uh, Donald Trump had been president, we would not be seeing these numbers right now. So it's true. It is it is manageable and it can be reversed. That's number one. Uh, I'm not yeah, start by start by pumping oil. Uh, Correct. Fracking again, uh, using our own natural gas. Don't import any more oil. Don't deplete the uh, strategic petroleum reserve, you dummy, because that was put in there by Teddy Roosevelt as bunker fuel for our Navy idiots. What are we going to do if we go to war with China and need our Navy to run? They're not all nuclear powered ships. What are they going to run on sales? Uh, maybe they'll, they'll take the, the Tesla batteries. Um, uh, I'm so, sorry. I wasn't thinking clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I, Michael, come on. Um, uh, what was the second part of that? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I shouldn't, I shut the conversation down by making it too didactic. I made it limited to two topics. So forget the second topic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you're saying yes, inflation can come under control. If Oh yeah. What's going to happen in Ukraine? Right. Yeah, what's good. What's right. going to happen? That's Look. the end one. We have we have seen twenty year wars. We history has shown us hundred year wars. That 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 part of the world has never known peace. Oh God! Right. So at some point, um, there there a kind of attrition sets in. I don't know how long this can be sustained by by Russia. Um, I, I, I truly don't know. Yeah, but the people know. running America want to bleed Russia. That's their their job here. They want to keep the war going on a certain level to bleed Russia militarily and financially. These are Reaganites. These are Cold War maniacs. You've got them in talk radio now like gung ho warriors who sit on their fat behinds and, you know, hawking war day and night against Russia. I don't think this is going to end too soon because the left wing and the so-called neocon brigade want war against Russia, Jeff. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, that throws them into the arms of China and uh, uh, India as consumers of uh, of their uh, of their wares. And you know, again, how much more of Ukraine is there to level? You I don't know. know. It's horrible. At, at Ten million point, people have been driven out of the country into yeah. other countries yeah you know hg wells wrote about this in uh, in things to come in 1936 and he envisioned a war that went on for decades and decades and spread a pestilence and ultimately led to the rise of the scientists of, of a world run by sanity and, and cold calculation uh, i don't know that we're going to go in that direction but um uh, i'm i'm actually looking and i think we've talked about this at 
China's got a space station now. Russia's pulling out of the uh, International mm-hmm. Space Station to build their own space station. I'm looking at the militarization of space. China's on the moon uh, with, with their robots. Um, that's that's really the next, the high ground is the next battleground. And that's what we should be looking at. China. Well, no, outer space. Outer space. Yeah. You know, don't forget, we're, we're supposed to be sending our Artemis rocket uh to the to the moon next month um as a as a prelude to returning human habitation to the moon permanently um wait, wait people are going to live on the moon yeah yeah in artificially created cities well what they're looking at now are caves and which is kind of funny when you think of where we came from as uh, <laughs> neanderthals but that's a that's a whole separate they're going to build carve caves out of the moon no they already exist the caves exist on the moon Oh, my so, God, Jeff, uh, this is our next podcast. I think we're going to okay. we're going to go to space with Jeff Rovin next time, because this okay. is wait, wait, time, space and beyond with Jeff Rovin. That's the next yeah. one. Yeah. You know, on my wall there, I have some I'm going to point my camera behind me. You can vaguely see a painting on the wall. Yeah, yeah, I see it over there. Uh-huh. The far corner in in the alcove yeah and it's by loomis no not by loomis it's by um an artist who did great space paintings the art of chesley bonestell oh chesley bonestell chesley bonestell was the preeminent (laughs) space painter he visualized no one ever heard of i mean look at look at look look at at destination moon destination moon yeah 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 yeah. So when I saw those, I didn't know who he was, but I thought they were wonderful and they weren't that expensive. Bought them there, San Francisco, 50 years ago or 80 years ago. And then there, there's Sam, another part. So then the, the dealer sent me the book, The Art of Chesley. And I said, he said, oh, he's a very famous space artist. And I said, holy God, look at these paintings. Those are true. He, he invented, listen, he invented for the 1950 movie Destination Moon the entire look at Saturn. I know that, that painting is, is so famous. Um, he invented the way we see science fiction, how, space fiction, in the same way that the, the producers from Eastern Europe invented Cowboys and Indians. Chesley Bonestell invented space. He defined how we see space. Perfect conclusion to the conversation between. Two people who know how to converse. The Art of Conversation with uh, Jeff Rovin and Michael Savage. I don't even think there's a title for this. What would the title be if you were to title this? All over the place. (laughs) All over the place. A conversation between Michael Savage and Jeff Rovin. Yeah. Yeah. By that point, I think at this point, they'll understand what we're doing just by saying that. Yeah. Ryan, that's the title. Did you hear it? All over the place. Yeah. We just came up, Jeff came up with the title all over the place, a conversation between Jeff Rowan and Michael Savage, and then we'll hit some of the high points. So, Jeff, the next one, God willing, that we do will be about time, space and beyond. Oh, isn't perfect. that a title? Isn't that a book title? Uh, the, um, the that's the buzzword of the Toy Story character, Buzz Lightyear, but also uh, to the infinite and beyond was the. The section of 2001 of Space Odyssey. But wait, why am I repeating time, space, and beyond? I know there's a title. Isn't there a title? Probably. It's it's 
I've piqued my own curiosity, and I have to look it up before you go, so we know what we're going to do next time. Well, what this does is um... he said cartoon. Wait, I said time, space, and beyond. Space time. There it is. Space. Oh no, there's space time and space, beyond. Space time and beyond. Yeah. Right. But I'm talking about time, space, and beyond. I never heard well, that title. What this does, Michael, is it allows us then to bring in the question of God and the universe as well, and all of creation. And we can talk about the the James Webb telescope. You're reading my mind. See, now we've just moved into a new realm. I, it was on the tip of my tongue to. I said, if I bring up James Webb. Yeah, and the telescope, yeah. it's going to bring up another hour of conversation yeah. because I watched the amazing science channel story about it. I was awed. I couldn't believe shooting a mirror into the universe yeah. and having it open like an origami. I don't know how these geniuses exist in our time when all I see are the lowest form of humanity on television, and on social media. See, this is it. This is it. You've got to make sure you get a daily dose of the NASA Twitter feed and the, the the Mars rovers and the helicopter on Mars and the pictures of that dead world. Because uh, I keep thinking, how is AOC going to blame dead Mars on us? Because uh, she's not and, AOC. I won't use her acronym because that's like JFK. And that's no, so clever of the left. And I don't call her by a name. Her name you is Occasional Cortex. Cortex. I know. And but but forget that loser, that, that stupid woman. Um, so you brought up James Webb. What I wanted to bring up, and I'm not going to do it now, do it next time. I'm yeah. watching that show, and I saw that the Wokesters at NASA wanted to change the name of the James Webb telescope because he wasn't sufficiently, uh, I don't know what he did wrong in the 50s or 60s. He didn't stand up enough for gays, lesbians, or blacks or something. And even NASA said no to these psychopaths because yeah. he was the driver behind this whole project. That would be like saying Darwin was anti-animal. So Peter wants the name Darwin eliminated from the theory of evolution. We, look, Michael, we don't have to listen to them. If we stop listening, they'll go away. Will they? They're running yeah. everything. Look, they'll, they'll, be like, they'll be like those people when we were growing up in New York who used to mutter about uh, socialism and, and were drooling as they walked down the street. I saw them on soapboxes in Union Square. My father used to laugh at them and tell me yeah. about them, the communists on soapboxes in the 30s. So then right. I saw them in the 50s. But unfortunately, now with social media, they're very prominent and they run the media. They run advertising, Jeff. Jeff, they run the ad agencies. And Stop that controls listening. movies, that controls books, that controls podcasts. As long as they make money. When they stop making money, that'll stop. All right. We'll leave, it, we'll leave it at that. And, yeah. to, and, and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow with Jeff Rovin and Michael Savage. Tomorrow, I, li I like that. Let's, let's keep it Shakespearean. I, I think. Uh, it, I think is that from Shakespeare? Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. I read it in Huxley, I think. He he borrowed from Shakespeare, I would think. Well, to a better tomorrow and a wonderful night. And Thursdays are your martial arts days, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's Macbeth. Macbeth? Yeah. When he says what? Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Uh, of course... That's as much as they give you. Uh. <laughs>
way, 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 way. It's something about the time creeping at its petty pace. Um, oh. Time creeping at its petty pace. Well, we'll we'll come back with time, space, and beyond towards an explanation of the unexplainable. Okay, wait, here it is. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. You had the last word. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.